Game of Thrones Season 6 and lots and lots of spoilers. This is staying in. It's, this has been the first series where we've gone outside of the books. And I don't know about you guys, but it's it's moved at a pace which is remarkably faster than any other series. And I'm not sure if it's because we've left the books that maybe kind of the, the duo of uh, kind of D.B. Weiss, Weiss and uh, Benioff have maybe have the ability to move forward a little bit quicker than having George R. R. Martin's tugging them back a bit. <laughs> what, what have your thoughts been around the kind of the, the pacing of this series? Well, I guess in, in the books, they had everything to um, whittle down as well. There's so many characters and he could, you know, waffle on about what everyone wanted in the books. You know, everything's really interesting, but for a screenplay, you have to change your you know make it much shorter so i guess now they've got no restraints they can just focus on what they want to say um i've i quite like the pacing it was a bit it was you know every game of thrones season is slow to begin with and then because otherwise there'd be no you know big thing at the moment at the end but um it's been all right for me i haven't noticed too much of a difference but it's got to the point a bit quicker i guess yeah i'd kind of agree uh i feel that the they're feeling a lot more free to sort of do things that the audience has wanted to see for quite some time now. And that, you know, George R. R. Martin originally intended these books to be th- like a trilogy. And since then, obviously, when he started it, subplots began to develop. And I think he got, he seems the type of author, from the little I've read of his stuff, where he gets lost in the minutiae very easily. And that doesn't translate well to the screen. Uh, I will say that I know a couple of people who don't like this season, though because of that they've said it's played out very formulaically like everything's been uh i know without touching on anything specific but you can pretty much guess what's gonna happen and there's the is that is that not because uh it's like there's less characters now too well this is this this was my point i was like well if you can't keep murdering characters well, you, oh, well, apparently you can, but you can't keep <laughs> murdering characters every episode. You know, there'd be no one left by this point. But I, I think it's been a tremendous series. I think um, I think it, there was a, a, a little bit of a lull in the middle, but I think that was, that was understandable considering the great first three episodes and a fantastic last two episodes. Oh, I, I, I have to say, uh, if, if there was one character to steal the entire season <laughs> it was sam and gilly's baby i'm sorry every time he was on screen my eyes were drawn to him just it was he was amazing yeah that was absolutely the, the the highlight of my series was just that child. child yeah yeah he was brilliant i mean so much has gone down in this series and i think i want to just kind of look at a few little small storylines to start with because such big stuff has happened i think we need to kind of focus on those um, I mean, we mentioned there kind of Sam and Gilly. So I think they've literally had like two scenes or three scenes for the entire 10 episodes. Um, I did smile when I saw Sam in the in the, in the final episode because it I reminded me just how happy he makes me when he whenever he's just <laughs> such a nice character. And when he shows up and he's and he's like, yeah, this is me. I'm I'm the maester. Yep. And he's got that cheeky little grin on his face. And I just it always makes me kind of just like. Ah, I can I can sigh a happy sigh of relief that for the moment everything's okay. That he's alright. This right. is a happy world. Yeah. Whether or not that lasts forever, because certain things have happened in this series which have challenged me in terms of bad things happening to some of my favourite characters. 
Um, what what was your view on in terms of what happened with Sam this series? Because he had his big showdown with his, with his family. Oh man, that that dad is such a oh, so horrible. He joins the list of Game of Thrones dads who are just absolutely the worst people alive. I'm really glad he took his sword though. I'm really glad. I'm sure that's going to come in useful at some point. There'll be there'll be a reason. Isn't for that. that a Valerian sword? Am I, it's am a, I right? Yeah, it's Valerian steel. So. so we know what Valerian steel can do. So mm. I'm really glad they gave him that kind of you know that like Beauty and the Beast moment where she opens her eyes and there's the library. They gave him the yeah. The, like yep. this is the entire knowledge of everything. Go you know find out. I don't know how much time he's got. That's the worrying thing. It was it was quite a nice thing where it says yes you can stay and we'll give you access to the library. And then you see what the library is. You go, well, that's a pretty, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing you've got there. Yeah. Did, anyone, did anyone notice as in, the, in that kind of shop where as it's kind of uh, spanning up, I think in the decoration of the library, you have the kind of the orb and the kind of the symbol, which is the, the Game of Thrones from the opening, mm. the opening credits, that, that that's in the library as well. The sun thing, yeah. And it's, yes. it's, it's bouncing, the light bounces off to around the room, doesn't it? So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's like a massive sundial. Mm. so even if you're in the depths of the library you can tell what time it is <laughs> yeah. but I'm, I'm 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 interested to see that i think when we saw that i was watching it with my wife and she just said to me okay well, we're not going to see him for another two series and it's literally yeah. just like where's yeah. sam he's in the library it's fine he'll 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 be back soon he's just he's reading <laughs> at least he's he's safe if he's there yeah exactly you know? well yeah. Is anyone well, ever safe? Well, I guess a book could drop on his head, maybe. But exactly, exactly. <laughs> That'd be a shit death, wouldn't it, yeah. for him? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned though, like the idea of you know, oh, for the next two seasons, where's Sam? He's in the library. Don't worry about him. What's Gilly gonna do? Well, she's in quite a good position though, isn't she, compared to what she was before? Exactly. So, I don't think she's know. in a place where she's not going to be looked after. I think she's not going to go hungry or anything like that. She's in a a safe environment. Are um are Maester supposed to be? single none of well, them that we've seen are married no i'm I'm not sure because obviously from the ones we've seen i mean we had the maester uh they've all been old haven't they exactly we had a gun at the wall he obviously i think he was uh i think completely celibate obviously he's at the yeah. wall so that kind of lends itself to that and we have pycelle who very much isn't um but he's, he's not married he's not that because a lot no, of them not are married. you know hiring prostitutes behind marriage but i don't know i don't know if they have to take some weird vowel i'm not sure i don't know See, if these like are the, the questions we need answered <laughs> these are the questions <laughs> you answer they've answered all the little questions this is the this is the important stuff this is the stuff we need to know well i'm kind of are we kind of glad that he's going to be so shut in the library because otherwise we'd have two seasons of so this is what a maester is allowed to do and this is what <laughs> they're not allowed to do and could take you know two episodes of just that we're just going to have just a shot of him walking out of the door saying well that's done yeah i've got all the knowledge <laughs> with this with this chain yeah, just like montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a reading montage. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Turning the pages, and the baby's still six months when he comes out. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, staying on kind of the the, the smaller plots, um, we saw over only ever a couple of episodes. Um, the return of the Hound, um, who I was really happy about. Um, I really liked his character. Kind of when it got to the point when when he left, I think the the relationship he had with Aya really helped. I think both of their characters, they they both kind of became favorites of mine through their relationship and i i think there was there was kind of some people thought that he had died i felt that he was too much of a character to be killed in that way so i always felt the fact that he's left to die meant that he would return at some point his return though 
didn't really feel like anything other than we need... I feel like he's going to have a big role to play, and so they just had to bring him back in some way. I know the fan theory is that he's going to battle his his resurrected brother. They've both gone through a resurrection of sorts. One literal, while um, well, the Hounds is you know more spiritual. Like, he's a changed man rather than rather than a physically resurrected man. So I imagine that that's sort of what's going to happen eventually. But I, I, I've, I don't know. Like, I, I wasn't overly fond of the Hound coming back. What, what did you do? Were you not a fan of his character or, would you, or did you think that was a good way for him to go? I really like the Hound. Uh, I really do. Uh, and, but I think he's funny and I, I think he's an interesting character. I just think that if the Hound was going to come back... It, it, it's I, it's sort of corrupted a little bit by prior book knowledge as well. The the hound is speculated to be alive in the books as well, but he's retired. He's become a pacifist monk, who's sworn to never again pick uh, take a life. Um, and people really like that ending for him. Uh, I don't know. There was something quite satisfying in a man who's all, who's never found his you know a place properly, and has always been surrounded by violence forsakes violence and finds peace whereas here it's like it's teased that that's what he's going to get and that it's torn from him which is interesting but it just doesn't i don't know i feel like you can do that in a book and you can say by the way he's all right now and he's not going to kill him i think if they'd just done gone straight to that everyone would have gone what the hell happened to make you a pacifist suddenly i don't know if it yeah it would have been a really strange there'd have been no development it'd have been just kind of Oh, what's ha- you've not shown us why you've become this? Yeah, and I think there was that in the kind of in in the episode where he returns. He he has the whole episode with the kind of the like the preacher man who's kind of building the church, and obviously in that in that point you you've I think that was their way of bringing in the idea of him being a pacifist, of him not killing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then they just they thought, well, we're not going to stick with this, so let's get. Let's get out of this as soon as possible. And I think for me, that episode and probably the Hound story was one of the weakest parts of this series because it felt it felt forced and it felt rushed. It's... And it felt, as I say, it felt like he has a role to play and so we just need to reintroduce him and here's a lazy way of doing it. It felt ve- it felt very tacked on. Yeah. It's yeah, like there wasn't quite enough to make it a full blown storyline. But at the same time I'm quite glad that they at least explained that he's alive. And um, you within you know only about two episodes, you really kind of liked the the monk guy, mm. um, or whatever he was, you know, preacher, the guy who decided that he he used to do terrible things, and it's kind of like an AA meeting, wasn't it, for yeah. uh, he- for swordsmen and stuff. And uh, I felt like he was a cool character, he- and then they did their job well by you know killing him. And he was a wonderful contrast to uh, the High Sparrow who preaches all this, uh, you know, oh, I'm for the common man, blah, blah, blah. But underneath it all seems to be taking a lot of pleasure in ruining the lives of nobles. Like I never really bought into the High Sparrow's piousness, whereas uh, High Septon Ray was his name. I, I, Sept, Septon Ray, I was like, yeah, he, he genuinely preaches what he believes and doesn't and admits he doesn't have all the answers. Yeah, and he was killed for no good reason either. Like, mm. No good reason. They just come and... And I think that's quite a good... That gives the Hound a proper reason to now fight for something different other than just himself. And then mm-hmm. it's... Was it the... the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood without banners. Yeah, do now you, they've come along and they'll sweep him up. Do you two know the, the leader of the Brotherhood without banners in the book who was teased an awful lot this season? 
Uh, I'm aware when I mean uh, we're going into book spoilers here. I'm I'm aware of this, and so um, my understanding is because I think there were a lot of rumours when people were aware that the Brotherhood with their banners were going to return. A lot of people felt that that was going to be a symbol that the character of Lady Stoneheart mm. would be returning because she, in the books, I believe, kind of plays a plays a role within that group, and so she, she when they were going to return, everyone kind of thought, okay, this is this is how she's going to come back and they are going to bring her back the fact that they haven't makes me think that actually they've made the decision not to bring this character back into the well, story just Even with they're what, leaving it for the next series well, with what you said alex about how um you know how septon raid dying gives the gives the hound purpose that he didn't have before i just think that's more satisfying with what they're doing than having lady stoneheart is a is a woman controlled by revenge on the phrase and the lannisters if he joins the Brotherhood without banners, who, as we've seen, have noble intentions, that is that's better for where the show is going rather than where the you know than just copying the books because the books have said this and the books have said that. He may even take over that role, not quite in the same vengeance way, but just in in the way of going around now being with the Brotherhood. He may he may have taken that mm. character slot, as it were, instead of being completely apathetic and not doing anything anymore. He was quite a popular character. So they may have just replaced the idea of Lady Stoneheart with a reformed hound. Tom, you you've, you touched on kind of the comparison with uh, Preacher Man Ray, and uh, that's my name from anyway. Preacher, Preacher Man Ray, Man Ray and Man uh, Ray. the High the High Sparrow. And I think I. I as we ended season five, there was, I think, me and you, Alex, me and you, we discussed kind of where the kind of the storyline at King's Landing was going to go. And one of the things you were looking forward to was seeing, okay, now what is Cersei going to do? When we left her, she had just done her Please. Walk of Atonement. She had just walked through the streets in that hideous, hideous scene. Um, and Same. we had that view of the mountain had been introduced and we had, okay, what are you going to do? And it turns out she was going to do a lot. I'm not sure kind of how much of it was planned. Um, she, I think she spent a lot of a lot of this season. She spent kind of making her own internal plans and trying to work the system and being aware that she has created something in the faith militant that she's completely lost control yeah, over. She's fixing a mistake. Um, <laughs> and. She, so she's she's lost an awful lot this series. Obviously, she she lost uh, Marcella yeah. uh, right at the start of the that series because she, she found about that. Exactly, that and she's 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 gone through a lot. She's struggled with obviously with Tommen. She's had kind of having the mountain behind her has given her some confidence. Um, without kind of, how do you guys think? Uh, mm, 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 uh, <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I can see them in your mind. <laughs> I can't think of the, I can't think of words now. Okay. <laughs> You're making it harder. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> talking about Cersei, ah, the mountain, yeah. giving her confidence. So she's lost an awful lot, but obviously she's also gained an awful lot in the mountain. And I think that he has been one of the the. The most unnerving aspects, I think, of this is what. What has your feelings been towards this the the creature of Sir Gregor? I'm a massive fan of Sir Gregor. I I really I think he's a brilliant 
plot device more than a character because otherwise Cersei has no power certainly at the beginning of the series so at the beginning of the series he's brilliant because as as proven the um, faith militant can't forcefully take Cersei because he's more than capable of ripping off heads but the fact as well that he is he represents something hideous as well like he he's almost a metaphor for king's landing he's wrapped in a gold cloak you know gold armor but underneath it he's rotten and horrible and like just a hideously powerful corrupt creature and i think that he's a i think he's fantastic every scene he's in you're worried or scared that what what's he gonna do i wasn't worried i was excited to see what he was gonna do because i started to hate the faith militant after a while which is really weird because you shouldn't really you should know that Cersei created them and you should be hating Cersei but at the same time like you said Tom um, the Sparrow isn't you feel like he's not completely good himself like he's kind of I find it really interesting I think there was a scene I think where he has a conversation with Jamie Lannister in, in the in the sept and it was one of the few times that he kind of let his mask drop a little bit and you saw an element of like power like hungry for power and you saw that and you're like, this isn't just a guy who believes in his God and he's, feels he's doing his God's work. Either it was always his plan or the plan has developed, but he absolutely is now in a position where he wants t- to gain power and he's loving the fact that he is growing in power and he wants more of it. And he's become so power hungry that it, it made the kind of, the, it, it kind of turned that whole thing around. The fact that, it lost any sympathy you could have had with the faith militant in the fact of you understand that they are they feel they are doing it for the right reasons there is no sadistic nature to what they are doing because they feel that they are following their own god that kind of was taken away when you when the leader is a, is in it for himself and also how um how aggressive they are mm. they just yeah. beat the shit out of anyone um it's not yeah it's not okay cuz then you know marjorie is i really liked her as a character and they torture people and you think what <laughs> um yeah so they they lost my sympathy quite quickly what i think is quite interesting about the faith militant is though that the nobility of the characters who we follow who despise the faith militant because they say well you, you know you, you're a sinner you're a liar you're corrupt but the common folk are supposed to adore the sparrows and we never see from the sparrows sorry from the common folk um, perspective quite what the sparrows do no, you never so see the perspective, do you? Not really. I guess there's the bit where um, they're in, they're outside the sept, and Tommen comes out and suddenly says, "the the king and the religion will be together," and everyone cheers. I guess that's a one time, maybe. Yeah. But you don't know if anyone's yeah. actually happy with it. Yeah. All you all you're seeing is that basically the high sparrow versus Cersei. That's that's the that's the battle you're seeing, and you just see both of them have their own army behind them Cersei has the mountain and High Sparrow has the face militant and they're both equal they are equally matched in in that sense see but what I really liked in the end was that the faith so because obviously the faith outplay Cersei all the way through they take Tommen from her uh, they get rid of trial by combat they yeah. manage to strip get Jamie of being a Kingsguard and send him off and you know send him off to uh, the Riverlands and do you remember I can't remember what series it was uh, but Littlefinger taunted Cersei with the knowledge that he knew about their his their incestuous relationship with with Jaime and he went that's real power 
And she went, no, this is real power. Slit his throat. And the king's guard grabbed him and like took the knife to his throat. And then he went, she went, no, I changed my mind out. And she went, that's real power. I think what, what Cersei did here with the wildfire is again that just on a massive scale. Like saying, you think you're powerful and you think you can play the game. This is how you play the game. And I thought it was, a, I, I loved it as a parallel. But it's just on a... Yeah, because that... that... That whole that whole thing of the, it was the start of the tenth episode that escalated fast. Yes, it, it it started off just as the trial, and then it was for me it was the music. The music told me something's going on here. Episode ten's music just as a whole was incredible. Everything about it, I never noticed music. But... The direction, the direction of um, I I, I forget the name of the, the director. He, he did the last I think the last two episodes. So that was Battle of the Bastards and the Win uh, the Winds of Winter. Um, and as that 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 music that told you so much of the story without anything without the music it was just a group of people getting ready to go out that's all it was but from the music you knew okay there are plans being formed here and then it was great to see marjorie and i i really really like the character of marjorie this the character of marjorie this series the fact that she and i you could you knew that she was playing the sparrow i think there was a gorgeous moment and I noticed it. There's the in the scene where she kind of confesses to the parents, says, "I, I, I'm with you. I, I give myself over to the to the to the gods and stuff like that." And you see him take her hand, and then you see her flinch. And you just there's a moment where you know that she's actually doesn't believe a word she says. And it's a tiniest little thing. It's a fantastic performance uh, by Natalie Dormer in the, in, in the role. But there's a tiniest little thing, and just from that, like she does not believe what she's saying. She's doing this because she's seen her brother, and she's saving her brother. And then I was so I was when I could see what was going to happen with the wildfire. You 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 knew, you knew if that wildfire lit, what was going to happen. And I was like, no, I just just get Marjorie out of there. Yeah, I, I really I thought she was going to make it, but then there's a moment where she just looks at him like, what have you done? And yeah. and he looks at her and suddenly realizes, oh shit. But she kind of accepts it. This horrible moment where she's she's she tries to get her brother out as well. That's that's her goal the entire time. Is to yeah. just get her brother out, and it's all gone. And the sad, I found this one of the saddest parts really was Tommen looking out, and then he disappears, takes his crown off, and then just yeah, okay. You know, why I absolutely loved that bit because all the way through, Tommen's been, you know, like a gentleman, a gentle king. He takes the time, and they, they just let the music drop. He's looking out the window. He sees the great set collapse. He walks to his bed. You hear him take the crown off. He puts it down. He walks up. And he jumps, and you just think he took the time to take the crown off, like yeah, you know, just no hesitation or the, anything. He... It is, it's, it's the, it's the, you, the choice. He's made a choice to do it. He's taken mm. the crown off, but also the fact that he doesn't. There's no dramatic pause on the ledge where no. he leaps yeah, off. He, he just, just he walks and just. It's as if he just kept on walking. But the thing is, you know, the 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 idea, Tom, you mentioned like this kind of great plan that Cersei has, but she's had to lose her children because of it. And yeah. I think she's really going to feel that in her costume, she was very much golds and reds and greens right at the beginning. And you'll find that she's like in completely black now, very short hair. They've even changed the crown. I believe it was a silver rather than a gold now. And mm. she's got, she's never worn armor before. And she's got these kind of, and she looked amazing, but you've she kind of got, insane. she's kind of, pon- you know, per- perpetually in this kind of funeral state now. Um, But, I wonder if she kind of knew it was going to happen because of the prophecy and just thought, well, she's going to die she, at some point. She shed, she shed no tears for Tom and that's the thing. She was, no. I thought that as well. She tried to protect him. 
he was in the red keep it was then his choice to jump out the window but i suspect she knew she was already in the black garb before he'd done it and then of course jamie comes back like what the hell happened here? Yeah, <laughs> I leave you for five yeah. minutes, and you, the, something's on fire, and our son's dead, and are you queen? <laughs> you queen now? Yeah, but I loved how she matched the Iron Throne in color. That she looked, she matched the you know the sword silver and stuff. It was it was just a really great moment, and I don't know why because I hate her, but I kind of went yes. <laughs> I think there was there was something kind of almost like a. It's, whether you looked at the the costume, because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned costume, because the costume to me kind of felt like a, like almost like a Disney villainess kind of like Maleficent kind of character, or kind of like a Black Swan role. And then when you saw her sit at this sit on the throne, it very much felt like the, the like I look at Sleeping Beauty and the Evil Queen and stuff like that. That's what it kind of felt like, and it was really interesting to kind of have that moment of where what's your mindset i don't know what's going on in your head right now because you've i absolutely loved the fact that she she so she crowned herself queen uh, queen of the um, queen of the, uh, the seven kingdoms which is brilliant and sort of like you are like oh wow cool she's queen but like like before when she accidentally created the um the faith militant she's accidentally overreached herself because surely there must be some baratheans somewhere thinking well technically if Roberts, all Roberts living heirs are dead, then, you know, the feudal system means I'm in charge now, not not his wife. And so she's already lost Mar- uh, Martel and um, House Tyrell and uh, Martel um, in, in the plan. Uh, the North and the Eyrie have, you know, seceded. The Ironborn have never been loyal. She's just lost the Riverlands with the phrase, she's queen of nothing. Yeah. She's queen of the ashes. That's you know, the kind like, of sadness of it, isn't it? That she finally got the throne and it, there's nothing left. And it's for the first time there is a Lannister on the throne as well. Because up until now, they've all, it's been the Baratheons. It was Tom and Baratheon yeah. and Joffrey Baratheon. This is the first, as she says, the first of my name. It's the first Lannister queen, Lannister royalty. Um, and as you say, she's actually queen of nothing. She's it's it's a it's a false crown that she wears because she 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 owns nothing. Even the even Castley Rock, Jamie is the right uh, rightful heir to Castley Rock. Now Kevin's gone, and he's no longer Ka- uh, Kingsguard. You know she has no no legitimacy and no claim, and you feel that when Cer- when Cersei when Daenerys arrives, all of a oh sudden there's, there's going to be so little support. For... How is she? I don't understand how they're going to deal with that the amount of ships and dragons and everything and Tyrion knows that there's wildfire underneath there he knows where not to go um, yeah she, she she'll have a plan i can't see a a, a successful plan but i think she'll have a plan there, now i was talking about this the, the, so the the part of the prophecy is the three you'll have three children they'll die and you will be queen for some time now was there a part in there that was you will, but you may meet your end at the hand of your brother she will die at the hand of her little brother see because i suspect that could be uh jamie yes Not i think it's Tyrion. jamie yeah because i reckon she might have gone too far there is there is a i think a similarity between queen cersei and the mad king mm. oh god yeah yeah, I mean, that's that, really and that's cool. that's the thing, and that's why when it links into that, and you kind of saw from, 
you, when Jamie arrives and he sees her crown queen, he knows what she's done. He knows that she's used the wildfire, which is the one, which is the thing that forced him to kill the Mad King. Yeah, that was what that was what turned it. That's he he refused to let the city burn through wildfire, and yet the love of his life. We're in this series. He has professed the fact that she's the only thing that matters to him. She's the one who has actually done this thing that is abhorrent to him. That caused him to kill the king before. So w- will he be forced to do it again? That's probably that's what he's thinking at the moment. Well, I kind of think I, I I think I speculate that Jamie will be the one to end Cersei. But I think it's quite nice that the episodes before we saw him with uh, Brienne, who. Whether they like, I don't know if you heard the at uh, the interview with the guy who plays Jamie, uh, Jamie, but he says that he plays it that Jamie's in love with Brienne. He just won't ever admit it to himself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just the little the little bit, and then you kind of want them to. Yeah, and I, and I thought there was a real sadness in the way that he comes in, having just said goodbye to the real love of his life, and comes in yeah. and sees Cersei. I think he loved Cersei. I think he did, but what she's done, she's gone so far. Yeah, I don't think he recognizes her no, anymore. And no, it would. He'll probably take both of them out or something in one final embrace or something. Mm. Her only redeeming feature was her love of her children. Yeah, and now they're gone. She kind of killed one of them as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. You say she loved her children, and yet you saw such lack of emotion i think she knew by that point though didn't she she just she'd made her mind up by that point Mm. yeah just really terrible and actually she keep they keep going on about how each other is the only one that's really important to them i think Mm. actually by that point uh it kind of maybe superseded the whole kid love thing because of course tom and kind of betrayed her as well so yes i i think there was one (laughs) i think there was one aspect of cersei that you kind of supported and that was where she had captured the uh the shave woman the woman with the bell see now that shouted shave um, for a walk of atonement see, <laughs> now i thought i thought that was where she crossed the that's what like i uh. it's her, she she just burnt down the great sept and killed marjorie and the high sparrow and like, all those people for me when she strapped the woman down to the table and was like oh i'm not gonna kill you i'm gonna <laughs> let my mount it my zombie Hope, well, hopefully, just torture you. But as so many people have speculated online, the mountain was famous for one thing, and it's not a pleasant thing to it for a religious woman. Yeah. Do you know what I heard that as well? I don't think he would, I because she he stood there, right? He stood there over her, and he's not moving, and she starts screaming. Do you think that he's just so horrific that she starts screaming? I, I think that's what it is, and I think. It's. It was very much. I think when you when that scene started and you saw her tied to the to the table and when she has the wine, she's pouring the wine over. There is an element of you that's quite kind of well. Uh, you've done horrible things, Cersei, but you know what? She did horrible things to you. Well done for getting your own back. And as you say, then she calls in the mountain, and you realise that basically she's going to be just become the mountain's plaything on whatever that means. Yeah. Because nothing, it doesn't mean anything good. No. <laughs> and whether that's no. whether that's through torture or rape or anything like that. And it's, as you said, you're not going to die for a long time. I agree. That was a moment of, I get you want to get your own back, but this is some other kind of evil, psychopathic, Ramsey Bolton-style shit going on. Yeah. That definitely yeah i was just i was wondering if you know it was his face that was making her scream initially 
I don't think there was anything necessary that he did there. I think it was about she knows what this means. She can see because he's taken the helmet off, yeah. and you, you only get like a faint glimpse of the fact that he's just completely disfigured and discolored and everything like that. And it was you couldn't help but have a tiny, tiny little smirk as Cersei leaves, saying, "Shame." Yeah. yeah. Shame. Yeah. You can't help. It's a horrible oh, thing that she's bitch. done. But you kind of go, part of you inside kind of goes, well done. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> it's like, I, you've, yeah, you've got your I own still back. want Daenerys to win, but also well done. You know, for now, yeah. you know, sit on your throne while, while you can. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. And she has wine in her hand, doesn't she, as well? She like finishes off the wine or something as she Always. goes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Like, I, do, I see what you mean about the kind of possible mad queen thing happening that could be quite cool we we talked before about the fact that in season five bran was nowhere to be seen we'd last seen him when he when he finally found the, the three-eyed raven and so this this year we got a a view of a much older bran mm. um as children grow uh and we under we started to understand about um, the, what the Three Eyed Raven was, and I think also it it gave a great opportunity to fill in lots of blanks. I think um, especially blanks around Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts around the the concept of time travel and the concept of using this kind of power for the for the exposition in the past? I really. I really liked the. I really liked it as a way to fill in the blanks, uh, but I was. I thought it was more interesting when, for what it was used for, like the the, the promise almost that you can't change the past, and then we find out. Well, that's that's true, but you can have an impact on the past. I think time travel is always a really risky thing to put in, into any kind of show. I think for, if it's ever going to work, it has to work in the way that I think. I think Game of Thrones have gone down the route whereby what happened in the past happened in the past and if you go back and change something you're not changing something that's how it always was and so you can't change the present by anything you do all you can do is basically create what has already happened and so maybe we will see certain things I don't think based on kind of where he's going kind of in the kind of the the time periods that he's going to be affecting anything specific to the storylines we've seen maybe things in the mythology he, he may have an impact on that will obviously maybe play into it um but I, I did want to do one thing i think this is i think this is vitally important when we're talking about this um because um i think it was the end of season six uh, end of episode six of season six uh we, we lost someone um and i i remember when we had our last conversation i did say that one of my favorite characters was hodor because he gave me happiness and um, what I'd like to do now, and I have to say, the the, the demise of Hodor was absolutely uh, my saddest moment in in Game of Thrones. Did you cry? Um, I didn't cry because I'm a manly man, but um... I bet you, I bet you did a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, uh, it's the closest Game of Thrones has ever made me cry. Um, but what I'd like to do now is just just take a brief moment of, of remembrance, of silence, of solitude, um, to just remember Hodor.
thank you i think that was uh thank you for that i think i think that was necessary i think um i honestly believe i think he's he's a loss to the series and i think the the reveal of how of i'd never even considered why he says his name it was just a thing i'd never even thought that there was a reason for it but when you find out the reason for it it's heartbreaking that blew my fucking mind that that episode when you when you first see kind of you can overhear kind of in the background the uh, mira mira reed shouting kind of hold the door and then there's i remember just realizing as she's saying hold the door it's like well that sounds like that's why his name is hodor because she's screaming this now and hold the door and it just kind of blends and it just it was seamless and what could have been a really cheesy oh my god yeah it could have been it could have been really cheesy and really unlike oh really that's what you're gonna do it was so affecting because that that kid who played the young hodor had to not only like have a seizure and say hold the door he had to he had to realistically blend it yeah yeah, and not look could have looked ridiculous but he made he brought that even more home for me i think and then and then it's cutting to this poor older hodor who's getting like ripped apart and you're just like oh my god it was horrible it was it, i genuinely was devastated when when, yeah. when that happened um more, we, we've lost, like... we've lost a lot of people on game of thrones we've lost a lot of characters yeah none of none hodor of, was a giant loss he was in every single way they did it justice he, though i think yeah yeah he, the idea the idea though as well that like did he always know that that was how? Did he see this? That's how I die, and is that no, what broke him? I don't or think like, he did. I think it just it just happened, and then he never really knew. It's just, but he did I it hope anyway. That's not, I, that, I read the scene that like his mind was broken partially from the the stress of time travel on you know being wagged into, but also the idea of oh that's how I die. And like knowing that, and sort of some horrible. Maybe I've maybe I've I gone too dark with it, but just the idea. I would have known. I think he would. Have, the point is, he just did it anyway because yeah, he just he. That's what he had to do, and he's being told hold the door. How how it all connects, we don't really know. We do we? We don't see, quite I, know yet. I I also was like I'm quite clearly slightly confused on this because I also thought that Brand forced him to hold the wagged into him and forced him to hold the door. No, he doesn't, because he's Bran is just in his own form watching the seizure happen back then. He's right. not actually, he doesn't actually walk into. I mean, it is it is I think the blend of Bran being there on both sides that is causing the cross between the old and the young Hodor. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't talk about it. Oh, God, it's so <laughs> sad. Is it, is it too soon? Should too soon. It's too soon. To try and get brown out and the fact that they 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 just keep walking into the nothingness that's quite sad as well the fact that you're there like they could for all you know they could die anyway even yeah. though hodor's holding the door but the point is he's fucking holding it um yeah that was oh my god <laughs> it was probably the best death of the entire if if hodor's going to re- reduce us to tears should we talk about the slowest moving plot line since daenerys trying to get across the sea the white walkers the the world's most idle winter. threat well the winter's finally well, come so winter has finally come <laughs> but as we found out above uh, beyond the wall and i thought this was really interesting benjamin stark of handingly oh who also came back and led my dad to go who's that um i, I don't think the, the reveal of benjamin stark was it uh, was one of thrones's best well, i liked it brand's ass i suppose it, it was cool i knew it was gonna come back I at just some don't point th- 
Well, he his character does play a larger role in the books. Um, in the books, there is a character called yeah, a character called Cold Hands, yeah. who is kind of a uh, a protector. But you, you, it's never. I don't. In terms of the books, it's never been revealed that he is Benjamin Stark. It's always been assumed without. He, he's been explicitly said he's not, but George R. R. Martin is most likely lying now, people think. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was really interesting that he says the dead can't go beyond the wall. There's more to it than just ice and brick. And which I think has been hint- I can't either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not dead. Yeah. Which which I, I which I, I think is I, I think is has been hinted at before that there's something more to the wall and its importance of standing. But I can imagine that it, it set up in my mind season seven Daenerys arrives a battle amongst the living completely forgetting the wall and the final season then being well at the end of season seven the wall comes down the final season the living versus the dead at last but I I, I, I find the I find the white walkers I love them I love the design I love the design of the whites I just wish they do something like beyond you know there's nothing really they can do. I, I understand. It's just it would be. I don't know. I, I'm a bit. I'm a bit over it. Oh right, I see what you mean because it has been so long. But I guess we saw some of their power in when uh, is it season five where John has to run from them. Yeah, that was and the season, uh, hard the hard home. Rise up. That's amazing. And I guess you have to. They're holding their best card really because if they blow everything yeah. now, then it's like oh, we can deal with them. Yeah. There has to be. I think you're right. I think the wall will probably come down at some point because if as soon as Bran comes across, like he's got that mark on his wrist. Yeah. Uh, that's probably going to do something. If the guy can teleport to him as soon as he knows where Bran is. That, well, you, you know they're saving go. all their budget for the next series for the big, for the for the wall to fall. That's their budget for the next mm. series. Because they're going to have dragons. dragons. They'll have the whole army of men plus all the White Walkers yeah. coming over. Good luck with that budget, guys. It's so big. But the, I think I like the idea of that this, the sort of fire and ice thing, isn't it? Um, with the dragons coming. And then the idea, perhaps, maybe um, John now, now that we know his heritage, he might be in flames at some point and then like walk out of them and be fine and be like, hey. <laughs> we know half of his heritage. Have... We know it's, his mother is Lyanna Stark. What we well, don't know, a, we don't know explicitly who the father is. We all assume we know. I think was pretty. It's pretty obvious. He's a Targaryen, isn't he? Really. Well, that's that's yeah. the assumption. He's a Targaryen. It it all makes sense. However, they were very clear to not reveal that. Yes. They, so it, yeah. could, they could. Exactly. The conversation go... was had where Lyanna tells Ned who the father is, but for some reason the audience aren't part aren't party to that. Yeah. So do we think Bran heard it? I think so. The yes. look on his face made it seem like yeah, he he knew. Um, but I yeah, love the I... bit with the um the baby, and then it just cut to John. Yeah, and that was that was a hard cut. I mean, I thought it would, I thought it might morph or something, but the cut was just, and it was the music again. I've been yeah. listening to the music today. It was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does everything. It does it does half the job as well. It's amazing. One of the smaller stories, but I think very important, and I think with a fantastic ending to the story, was in Bravos with Aya, training to become an assassin. We we joined her at the start of the series, and she was a blind. She was a beggar on the street. Um, she was faced with what can only be 
termed kind of a waif who's also like a terminator i think that's that's how <laughs> i viewed her because it was very much kind of it's where Arya runs away from her as fast as she can and yet when she walks she can still keep up with her it's that kind of creepy terminator-esque thing of just walking behind someone and yet always being three steps behind them or something like that um we now know we we have Arya now she has been trained in a, as an assassin she's been trained up until the point where she still remains who she is but she has the skills of the assassin which i think we can all agree is exactly where we wanted her to get to we didn't want her to become a girl with no name we wanted her to stay as she is we wanted her to stay Arya stark but have all the skills of being the assassin but was that the point though that's what i'm wondering i'm wondering because he kind of smiled at the end i think the point was whatever happened somebody had to be killed someone had to be killed yeah. because she didn't kill the first person in the first place and that she just assumed it had to be her until right at the end when survival kicked in and she killed the other one mm. and i don't know if his smile was well at least she's make, made a decision or if his smile was he wanted her to be Arya from the beginning um so i don't know what that was <laughs> I, I i thought it was i thought it was interesting that the waif like all the way through we've been told oh you know like a faceless man must be no one you know and yet it's so clear throughout that i'm gonna butcher his name is it jacken yeah uh jacken uh the waif the waif wanted to kill aria there was a there was a you know she was a pleasure in what she was doing it wasn't it wasn't well the face the you know the many face god needs a needs a face it was i want to do this yeah Jacken, regardless of what we saw last season, when we found out you know anyone can be Jacken, definitely had uh, an attraction of sorts to Arya. You know, like he liked her, and I think that smile at the end was, "You were never going to be no one." You know, well, she saved his life, didn't she, a long time ago? So he, I think he was quite yeah, pleased of course, that yeah. she survived. Can... Really, um, I don't think uh, I found it, the story, whole storyline, a little bit of a mess because it was so. It was disjointed and you kind of still don't really know what the hell's going on or what the rules are. There was a few moments that seemed a bit seemed a bit strange whereby say she'd been doing all this training and then once she'd escaped, she made silly mistakes. She would just be wandering around the town in the middle of the daylight. Yeah, that knowing trusting, that yeah. trusting an old woman that comes at you. I mean, come on, she's just been told to do that to other people. Yeah. Um yeah, that was a bit stupid. I really thought she was gonna go and train kind of more swords like down the swords route because mm-hmm. the, she had needle and water dancing and all that sort of stuff i thought she was going to become badass with weapons but she's kind of that's not really realistic in my head i'd like that but actually she's she's only 14 or less than that she wouldn't yeah. have the strength to do it properly so she has to rely on subterfuge instead so actually it's going to be far more uh better for her to be able to be invisible and kill whoever she wants mm. rather than what i had in my head which was this kind of brianne type person who'd be able to you know kill people that's, yeah i can see are you becoming i arguably becoming one of the deadliest characters in the entire show because of the skills that she has and the ability she has to be both a faceless assassin and be a, a, a person who has revenge and all that stuff and has kind of the will that she has absolutely becoming one of the the most deadly people in in the show um i think for me her storyline did kind of stagnate a little bit you had lovely moments like you'd you'd spent so long when she was blind 
trying to train and being beaten to a pulp by Terminator Waif. So the, <laughs> so the moment when she when she the, the 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 Waif has chased her to her room, and there's that moment you realise you're in a dark room, and when she just flicks out the candle, and it's just perfect. And suddenly, all those montages that we've seen make perfect sense. And she has been in, not necessarily in complete control, but she has been smart enough to say, okay, I need to use this to my advantage. She's going to come after me. I can't stop that. So how can I, if I don't have the ability to be faceless like she does, I need to bring it back onto my side. If I can get her into an environment that I have the power, doesn't matter what face she has. If she can't see, she can't see. And that, that I think that was what was a really nice touch. And I'd have to say, don't know about you guys, but I think possibly my highlight for the entire season, mainly because I did not see it coming was her killing of Wilder Frey. I absolutely... Well, the, the finger in the pie. Yeah, I did not see that coming. See, I, I, I loved it because I hate Wilder Frey. But I, I I was just left like, did the faceless man let her take some of the faces? Did she get the face herself? I think you get, How you did... get the ability, don't you? I think don't you have point? to use the... I, I've I've always been confused on well, this. Yeah, this like, is the thing. This is why I'm like I don't understand. Do you take a blimmin' face off? I think she just take, I think she just took a couple for sake. Oh, he wouldn't have she, let her do that. Yeah, she was like, "I'm gonna take these faces." By the way, I'm sure you can find some new ones. Like, I I I, I agree, Dan. I think that Walder Frey, you know, um, Frey Pie was brilliant, <laughs> and I also quite like the, and I also quite like the idea that Arya not only apparently maybe stole some faces from the faceless man also taught herself how to kill his sons taught herself how to bake made them into a pie just to give it to him and she was so excited if you watch that scene she goes they're here my lord and he's like where he's not even eaten the pie and then he goes they are in the pie and then he's like oh <laughs> and it was like she she got so excited she didn't even let him eat the pie she was like oh no they're in there <laughs> I, I think in all the joy of her taking off the mask and then having the line of I want the last thing for you to see is a Stark smiling down at you I think the joy of those lines made me forget any kind of inconsistencies around where she got the face from and all that stuff the the logistics behind killing and carving two grown men without anyone seeing all that logistics kind of went out the window because I was just so happy to have that moment and it absolutely because as I say I just didn't see it coming. Even at the point where she's saying, they're here, they're here. And at the, even at kind of at the point where he realises they're in the pie, it wasn't until she went mm. to lift off the mask that he just suddenly dawned on me, oh my God, this is Aya. Of course, we haven't seen her. I thought she was on a boat somewhere. Obviously, in fast forward season six Game of Thrones, she can get anywhere she wants very, very quickly. I like the mm. fact that, as you said, Dan, he only kind of realised it right at the end which means he didn't even really give a shit that his sons were in a pie yeah <laughs> not really until he was like oh god i'm gonna die also why is the old guy always on his own like he was completely <laughs> on his own there was i guess the phrase are so shit aren't they they've got no guards no nothing and they're on top of the world right now they think nothing can hurt them yeah um, the lannisters so are there they have all these people around the lannisters are, are in support to, you know yeah he'd be on his own when he he'd, that well, there was that slight thing where i was like eh, he'd probably have someone in there but um I'm. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna choose not to pay attention to that because Arya managed to get another kill. How many is that now? I think. I, I'm wondering. Does she have other than Cersei? Does she have anyone left? 
She's got the hound. The hound, yeah, but she thinks she's dead. Um, I think that I think the hound is no longer on the she's list. Got... And I think there was, wasn't there a conversation with Jack and where she refer, where she no longer read out the hound's name or something on her list. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's no longer there because of the relationship that they had. She either thinks he's dead or if he's not dead, she's already done her what she could. If that yeah. makes sense, like she's already done the killing blow, and if he survived that, then he's probably worthy of not killing. If that makes sense. Marine, what can we say about Marine except for I could do with like I like Tyrion, I like Grey Worm, and I like the translator whose name I can never remember. Oh yeah. I I didn't. Th- their scenes with this this year were filler. I Pure was, filler. It was nice. I liked that filler. It was nice. I was disappointed though because I, when we talked before, Alex, I kind of said I was really looking forward to this series because my favourite Tyrion series was series two, season two, and that was because he was Hand of the King. He was in control. He had power, and he was really great in that role. Great, kind of really confident. And I was hoping that this series he would fulfil that same kind of role, and so be that kind of same kind of cocky character which he's so brilliant at but as you say in the absence of Daenerys it was left a filler and it was I mean don't get me wrong it was fun he's in a different position though isn't he he? he's terrified he had he was a bit cocky before when it was just his spoiled nephew that he had to deal with and now he's got an entire city that he's that's not his home and he doesn't quite know yet if he trusts Daenerys he does later but not that part. I think his kind of humour has gone a little bit from killing Shay. Uh, something's been broken a little bit inside him. He has become. He, I think he has become more serious. There is there is the element of the the wine swilling joke telling. I mean, he hasn't had a woman in a long time. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> where his power comes from. I, I think I think the Dothraki thing was good, like the whole "you've got to go backwards to go forwards" thing with Daenerys. I thought that was really well handled, and her taking charge of the Kalasars really 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 well done. that was so cool i think that was awesome but the whole and, and i know I, I, I and Tyrion is one of my favorite characters in game of thrones but most of the marine stuff including daenerys once she got the kalasar before the slavers the war of slavers bay like that moment when daenerys gets on drogon at the end of um I can't remember which one it was now. She gets on Drogon and she makes a speech that you'll all be my Carls and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, didn't we just do this? Yeah, no, I had exactly the same feeling. I knew exactly what you mean. It was like, a, it still didn't move the story on. Mm. It was like you'd just seen maybe five minutes afterward. <laughs> the last yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly I just, what you mean. And then we, we also... <laughs> we had Tyrion go visit the dragons and I was like, right, well, this is going to pay off in a big way. And it still may in the future, but again, I just nothing came of it. It was just. Did you like... hear the? Did you hear the theory about Tyrion being part Targaryen? Yeah, I don't. Which I don't. I I I think that's just people wanting it to be rather than actually being any evidence for it. In the sh- in the book, there is the evidence is there's a lot more evidence because in the book he's described as he has a um, he has an eye that's described as completely black. Um, like it, he, and his hair isn't isn't gold like everyone else's. They describe it as so blonde it's silver. Oh, right. And um, someone someone references that the Targaryens uh, sometimes their eyes because the Targaryen eyes are violet in the book. They were so purple sometimes they looked black. So that's people's sort of that's the that's the foundation for that one. 
I'd be surprised you know. if that was a path the story went down. Because as I said, I don't I don't think you do that with two characters. You can do with Jon Snow. I don't think Definitely you can do with Tyrion not. as well. I don't think Tyrion needs that for no, a character. He he, his character is now he's now the hand of the queen. That's and he's going to be put back into that position that you enjoyed so much Dan. yeah and i think then we'll start to see a bit more cockiness i think probably my one of my favorite scenes was him talking to the dragons i think that was a really sweet yeah. scene and i i don't think it means he's part targaryen i think it, like he said they're just intelligent enough to understand what he was saying yeah, yeah. um yeah i really love that bit i i love the sack i uh, i love the sack of marine by the way, you know, like the uh, the slavers all arriving, and Daenerys like essentially being like, "No, this is how I'm going to take Westeros. It's going to take about five minutes with my yeah. dragons, oh, except for one thing: those dragons tunneling out the pyramid at that exact moment. I was just like, "Have they been tunneling since Tyrion sort of all like things? took the chains yeah. off, or <laughs> like, or stop, stop questioning yeah. all the logic in this, Tom?" I, 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 I really did. I I love this series. I really do, and I and I loved the whole marine thing, and I loved the Greyjoys joining up with her. Yeah. Um. I, I think that they'll probably be a. I think they'll neuter Danny slightly at the beginning of next season with a with a fleet battle between the Greyjoys and the um and Danny's fleet, just so she doesn't quite arrive with. She's got more. I think they've referenced her having more troops than Ares the Conqueror did when he first landed like i think they'll neuter her slightly because otherwise it is going to be like how's anyone supposed I mean, to be she her? does have a great conglomerate of people behind them now i mean she obviously has yara and theon and there's a lovely a lovely dynamic between yara and Daenerys. that was really really nice yeah that was great that was just a really it, it, that mm. was the most chemistry that Daenerys has had with than any guy she's been <laughs> yeah. with she um every time she was looking at Faon, it was just like mm, yeah okay fine and then she'd look at her and it was like a connection of finally like, a, a powerful woman I get. here's someone I can I, I see a connection with right I think all the all the men around her have all been subservient to her whereas here's a woman who absolutely is just as feels she's just as powerful as her and that was a really really nice thing to see um do you not do you not think that with all the armies and instead of nullifying a bit or kind of nerfing her in a way do you not think her battle is going to be with the white walkers i i do i, I do but i think there is going to be a struggle i think there's going to be a struggle against the living as well right I, yeah. I think, because because ultimately we care about we don't uh, the, the 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 white walkers are a nebulous threat right now we don't know what they want beyond the wall coming down and killing and resurrecting whites um, I, I think it's maybe been made clear that they are intelligent and they have their own culture, but I think that we're going to be far more interested, at least next season, in seeing characters who we've watched over the last six sort of battle almost. I think that I think that that's that it, it would be cheating almost if Daenerys arrived and then it was like, oh, the White Walkers are here. Um, I, 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 I think I it's interesting that basically no one other than Jon Snow really knows about the White Walkers. When we talk about Daenerys, we talk about Cersei, we talk about King's Landing or Marine. None of them even know that they exist, and obviously they've been those those mm. the White Walkers have been around for six seasons, and yet some of the key characters have no idea. And I, I I agree with you. I think that I think the next series will be about that battle for King's Landing and that that colossal battle we've been waiting all these years for. But I also reckon by the end of the next series, it will be snowing in King's Landing, and oh, God, there yeah. will be an understanding of. What the what the people have been saying up north isn't myth. 
Oh, wait, it was true yeah. of that? My problem is that, of course, it was never going to happen because they had to make six seasons. But I really wanted Joffrey to suddenly face the world. Like, I, I wanted him <laughs> so bad to have to face this threat. The fact that the guys in King La- King's Landing have no idea. They're just yeah. busy playing their own games. And I can't wait till winter comes to King's Landing. Can't wait. <laughs> but who else, who else has Daenerys got? No, she's got Theon and Yara. She's got... Uh, the Martells. House she's Martell. got the Tyrells. House Tyrell. She's got a lot of people who... Uh, a lot of people who hate the Lannisters. The second sons have been left behind, haven't they? Oh, the, I love that bit yeah, with the, Dario. Um, the three slaver guys. And they pushed one forward oh, yeah. and was like, it was him, he's not part of us. And he knelt down and then Grey Worm just goes straight through. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, she's got the dragons as well. She's got so many people. The unsullied. She she was it's she was gonna try and take Westeros with Carl Drogo's Carl uh, Sar. She now has every Carl Sar. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's I also as well like the, the Seven Kingdoms. There's only one kingdom with a well, Lannister. Um, so Castle Rock still has its army, the Lannisters. Uh, Littlefinger still has the Knights of the Vale. They're relatively intact. The North is in tatters. Do- uh, the Riverlands are in tatters because, you know, the Freys and the Tullys. Like, she doesn't... There's not that much left in Westeros to fight back yeah, against her. me and Dan were saying, though, as well, that they've kind of... Everyone's trying to get after this Seven Kingdoms idea, but actually there's not really much left of it. There's not going to be many yeah. people left either, I don't think. Is it going to just be one of those things where we've waited seven series for the big battle... And it's literally, she's going to walk up to the gate and they're going to go, yeah, fair enough, you got us. Uh, we can't fight you. Yeah, it's just over, uh, thrown just over there. Turn left, second right. Well, didn't she have... Oh, hang on a minute. When she was in the Mage's Tower, she was walking in the throne room and it was all snowy. It was, Do you remember? It was indeed. I get the feeling that she's going to finally get there and winter will have come and nobody will be there. And it will be like a kind of bitter victory of, I got here, but I, I Yeah, I've, I have the throne, but I've I've been fighting the wrong war. Yeah, almost as if now, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Kind of thing, which would be really sad because that that would suck. She's come so far to have that happen. I think, like Dan said, though, I think there's a really interesting thing. So the big battle, okay, we're looking forward to it, but it's going to be interesting to see how she maintains that re- that reign because she's already said the the Ironborn have said we'll give you what ships we have, but we want freedom, and she went well you'll respect the sovereignty of the seven kingdoms and by the way you're going to stop reaving uh Gyara's like well that's all we've ever known and she's like yeah but i said you're going to stop it you know and there is just this she's never lived in westeros she doesn't know the customs like i, I think there's going to be an interesting political battle just as much as a as a physical one yeah, i think you underestimate how persuasive a dragon can be <laughs> i really do yeah, that's, I think, all, I think that's also the, true. Is it Yara? I think they had an understanding, those two. And I think she gets it. She said, oh, well, that's a way of life. But you know what? Time for a change. Time for a yeah. queen of the Iron Islands as well. So I think actually they'll bite their tongue when that happens. I don't think they'll... they'll yeah, they'll, I wouldn't... I don't think you'd cr- cross someone who has, yeah, three dragons and, and a huge army. I, could, I can see with where, from where Bran is, because Bran's back at the wall... I could see him making his way to Winterfell at the beginning of the next season, meeting up with John, telling John, "Oh yeah, by the way, mate, you're you, you we're not brothers. 
you're my cousin. Oh, and you're half Targaryen, by the way. I can see that coming into play in quite how Daenerys reacts to uh, John, because John is technically the rightful heir to the throne. He supersedes, even though she is kind of the rung of the ladder up from him, because obviously uh, yeah. I believe he is her nephew. I believe. Yes. Yeah, the, that's the, true. The, yes, the, he is. Uh, the supposed father of Jon Snow would be Rhaegar Targaryen, which is Daenerys's brother. Daenerys's eldest brother. Oh. Okay. So that's. Yes. I think that's that's the understanding. So that would make uh, Daenerys Jon's aunt, which sounds really weird. <laughs> Because she's supposed to be so young, isn't she? Yeah. But they're, they're all supposed to be really young. Well, but I get, I get the feeling that John is finally the sort of person that wouldn't want the throne. I, I think he'd be like, "You have it, please. Like, I'm, bo- I'm bored of this shit." <laughs> but I, I think that that I think that that's part of going to be part of John's journey, realizing that all these people seek the throne, and some are born to it. Almost like John is a man who people trust. Like you know, people people want to be led by John. Whereas everyone else has conquered and taken, you know, and I think that's going to be part of John's journey, coming to terms with the fact that sometimes you don't get to choose that, you know, like he'd, he'd love to sit in Winterfell, you know, but even even in this episode, and I know we're going to talk about the North, he's been declared king, even though mm. he never wanted it. It was thrust upon him. And I think that that's sort of foreshadowing what's going to happen, well, especially as Daenerys has, hasn't, as, they, as was pointed out, she's not a ruler. She's a mm. conqueror. Like, they said as much in episode, like, four. Like, you're not you're not a ruler, Daenerys. You, you know, you're a conqueror. That's what you're good she's at. She's never had any experience with ruling, though, has she? She's not, she's not long enough in one place. She tried to rule Marine, and that hasn't gone well. Well, she could do now. Well, she, but yeah. she doesn't, she's got a goal, isn't she? She's still, nope, got to keep on moving. But like you said as well, she's got Tyrion. She has Tyrion with her now. So that that feels like something that can help, but like I I, I think that it, that is the future that Daenerys isn't gonna. I don't think Daenerys wins the Game of Thrones. Is I my mean, prediction I, over the past in the first few series? I think that was a question that people often ask, kind of who is going to end up on the throne. And as it's gone on, as you as we've kind of we've learned more about the White Walkers and all bits and pieces like that, the who ends up on the throne seems to be kind of a really a pointless question because at the moment, obviously Cersei craves the power of being on the throne same as Daenerys there's no one else really after that throne we may have seen elements of Sansa maybe beginning to have an idea of maybe the th- maybe being on the throne um through kind of the through the conversations with Littlefinger but other than Daenerys no one's no one seems to be on after it because Jon is all about the White Walkers rightfully so um so the whole Game of Thrones thing, it used to be who's going to end up on the Iron Throne. I don't think that's a particularly good question anymore because I don't think that's not the end game. The end game we always thought was who's going to end up on the throne. That's not the end game anymore. See, well, I don't think it's the end game. I think it's still a massively important thing because my, my I don't think, even though we, you know, we have this, it would be, you know, walk all over the white walkers with three dragons you know if they're if they're vulnerable to fire how difficult can it be i can see there still being a game to play because john's all about the white walkers what's john got john's got the remnant house houses left you know of the north he needs alliances and he needs help if he's going to tackle that like i i i can see john as i keep saying 
being forced to take the throne. Not that he'll ever want it, but just it will be given to him. It will be like, this is this is you know, this is a responsibility you have to shoulder. You're born to I mean, this. That's... And I think I I think that's why it's still called. That's why. Well, it's you know why it is a, the game uh, the Game of Thrones, a Game of Thrones, sorry, rather than you know anything else. But it's also you know. That's but that's my that's my theory the, on it anyway. The seven kin- kingdoms getting split up and and given to lots of different people because I get the feeling he'll sit down and go, yeah, I don't want to do this. Uh, let my sister have I, a I, have a go. I can definitely see the 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 feudal system coming to an end because I think there's been a constant theme of like succession and like treachery just has undermined everything. Like I think, but again, it takes a leader, doesn't it, to sort of. Uh, you know, to pass that through, and you know, it's I I I think that that could happen. Um, I think you're right though. I don't. I don't I, think I, this I, idea of the the seven kingdoms. I don't think that's in existence anymore. I don't. I think people are fighting to for fight to fight what they've always fought for, which was power. But John doesn't really want power. Hmm. We've touched on John yeah. all the way, kind of all the way through our chats here, uh, and that's kind of because he kind of his his storyline has been quite quite an extensive one. I mean, obviously, the the earth shattering moment at the end of season five was his death, and that was the kind of the point where just like the world came crashing down for so many Game of Thrones fans of this is impossible. That's why no one thought he was dead because it was just so insane to think he he would have would be dead. Um, so we started this series and we had I think two full episodes of him still being dead um, even though the fact that he was just lying on a table meant he was coming back and we all knew he was going to come back and we all knew that chances are the red one was going to come back um, and then we had that moment with the the hanging where we kind of questioned how has he come back and I have to say um, I we we talked before about kind of our favourite characters and I always said my favourite characters were John, I, uh um, and someone else who I can't think off the top of my head who it was. Obviously not that important anymore. One of my new favourites is uh, Davos. Uh, he absolutely, mm. absolutely became one of my favourite characters this year because he just he's taken on that role of the guy who just says what he thinks, says something cool, is the uncle that you want. You want to go for a drink with him. You want to have a <laughs> chat with him. He's just brilliant. Yeah, I think once Stannis died, a kind of weight was lifted off his shoulders. And he was obviously sad, but he knew Stannis was going down a terribly dark route. And now he's mm. finally, he's following someone like John, who's a bit more, you know, actually gives a shit. Um, it's, 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 an, it's, it's an integrity and moral thing that, that Davos has. And obviously he's, that goes back to his, his history when he was a thief and he had his kind of fingers cut off. That he, he has that kind of bred into him. And I think that's what attracted him to Stannis to begin with. And then obviously Stannis kind of over the years morphed into something else. And that's why he sees in that's why he sees in John now. He said something like, He raised me up See, from nothing, but then he turned into someone I didn't know. And it's yeah, yeah terribly sad. Well my my favourite thing about that uh that Davos says this season is when he confronts Melisandre oh, about yeah. burning uh, Shireen, and he goes, um, if your lord demands you burn children, then your lord is evil. And I couldn't help but think that there's a little bit part of him that's thinking, Stannis. Like, that was that, that was sort of that moment of, like, properly, like, declaring for John. You know, like, that 
you were, I was wrong essentially mm. to trust Stannis. But she doesn't and also, think, Melisandre, yeah. when he says that, she doesn't argue. She kind of accepts that no. statement she, of a light's gone out in her since she did that because yeah. she's realised she was wrong. Yeah, and yeah, she. I think she does genuinely feel for that, but it kind of that was really upsetting. That scene where she's clutching the the kids clutching the little toy. And you just you really want you know Davos to just find out and find out what actually happened to her. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a good moment when he confronted her on it, and I like that John stood up for him as well. He could have easily yeah. gone, "Oh, I need." Yeah, her. I was worried about although, that. Although, kind of, as a leader, he makes the decision to both not kill her, who is a woman who was sacrificed a small girl to be burnt at the stake, but also he hasn't kept her around because she knows she's useful it's kind of is that the best decision for him to make to basically do nothing i thought it was quite telling that he went from a person so obviously the night's watch betrayed him or certain factions within the night's watch betrayed him and he had no compulsions about killing them he wasn't interested in their reasons it was they betrayed me and now they're dead to after battle of the bastards where john let Melis showed mercy and let melisandre go and I hinted at this earlier, the um, the idea that like John in Battle of the Bastards goes into that sort of willing to die, like he asks Mel not to bring him back, and then charges out even uh, even though Sansa's warned him not to. You know, Ramsay's going to trick you. Like he does all that, and then during that massive crush, there's that moment when he um, he he almost doesn't stops fighting against you know like the swarms of people crushing him and the 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 uh the showrunners have called that the true rebirth of john of john snow when he comes out fighting he realizes no i do want to live so i i think this entire season has essentially been about john's rebirth and the rebirth of the north as sort of like a stark bastion again so yeah that was sort of like that that was my take on it that John was showing mercy because John was John again and wasn't, you know, quite mm. as cold. I thought I thought it was interesting that you you had the scene of John being proclaimed king of the north and they kind of saying that they would stand behind a Stark as as you, as that's happening as at the same time you're finding out that he is not the Stark that we thought he was. He's obviously the still the the a Stark in part through through Lyanna Stark, but also he's Targaryen as well. So it's it's not following that same route. As you have Sansa, who I got the feeling is having some kind of some kind of machinations around potentially uh, kind of sitting on the throne. She in the in the early series she had that dream of being queen, and obviously that was ripped away from her from from Joffrey and the way he treated her. But the idea now is, I think, being planted in her mind again by Littlefinger. And with her in more of a position of power now and knowing how the game is played and knowing actually what that means, it would be interesting to see their dynamic kind of progress because John, as you say, is kind of a king who doesn't really want to be king, whereas she is not a queen. But I get the feeling that she's beginning to think, yes, yeah, so this is this is a this is a future for me. I can't see, based on kind of who's kind of in place in you know, Cersei and Daenerys, I can't see her actually pursuing that because I think that would be ludicrous for her to do that. Even Littlefinger would know that that is not going to work. Um, although Littlefinger, you can never, never rule him out. And I think I was actually quite surprised. His the the line that he says where he says 
the question I ask myself every time before I do something. Will it will it make this picture that I have more realistic? I thought the picture was going to be him with Sansa or something about Catelyn or something like that. But the fact that it's probably one of the first times that he said, I want to be on the throne. He wants to be king of Westeros. It's not just yeah. he wants to be in a position of power. He's he's looking right at the top. And I think that's interesting because I don't think I well, don't think he's ever kind of outwardly said that's his goal before. He's he said before now um that he he's hinted at it when he said that chaos is a ladder. And he's definitely made it clear that he wanted to climb socially. But I always thought that it was far more uh, um, at least when Caitlin was alive, proving himself the mm. equal of Ned. Like I, I never saw it as a, as like a desire to actually rule, because I always thought he saw himself almost as too clever yeah. for that. Like he, because he he spent his entire life essentially manipulating these people to get what he wants, and I I, I do find it interesting that he wants the throne, but I I sort of I hope that Sansa's got enough sense to realize that. Littlefinger doesn't have her best interests at heart. He's proven that. He gave her to mm. Ramsay. You know, like, I, I, I and that John, you know, again, reluctantly took took the throne of the King of the North, not because he wanted it, but because it put him and her in the best position to protect themselves and the people they cared about. I, I wasn't actually surprised when uh, he said that. Because, as you said, he's he's always been rising in the ranks. He's always been out for himself. You can never, ever trust what he does. Um, and I suspect he'll even dick over Sansa if he has to right at the end. Um, but I I actually I disagree. I don't think Sansa wants the throne. I think she w- may have to take it or John may be in danger. Because you could see, just as everyone was saying, King of the North, King of the North, that Littlefinger was looking at him. Like I'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> yeah. if you get in my way, and she was <laughs> yeah. looking right at Littlefinger, and I suspect she'd have to do it in a way to protect John, because I don't, I really don't trust I don't, Littlefinger. I, I think he could do anything. I, I don't, I don't think Littlefinger's long for this mm. for the next season. I oh, know. I, uh, I think, I think he I think is. That... He's the he's the guy who's there at the very end. He's the guy yeah. who's ducked every battle. And done everything, but he's he's the it's that's the kind of person who make it to the end. There's a reason why Cersei has survived, and everyone around her has died. See, I just I just I just think that Game of Thrones villains, you know, when they're gonna be gonna be uh, killed because they then they hit peak cartoon evil. Uh, I could I can see that like like Alex is saying the moment you know and he's just staring at Sansa, uh, you know, like at the end, and he's just like that one and i just i was like yeah next season he's gonna go all in to get what he wants and it's gonna backfire because he's played it carefully and he's played it cool but now he's shown his hand and he is gonna go full on right i'm a villain what he what he doesn't know is that he if he's gonna make a play for the throne what he doesn't know is he has Tyrion and varus on the way two people who know him extremely well and know exactly how to handle him exactly i i don't I, I don't see Littlefinger. Littlefinger's definitely not going, going, going to get get what he wants. I, I don't mean to kind of sound the awkward segue klaxon, um, but <laughs> as you say, uh, Littlefinger won't be getting what he wants. One character who always seems to get what she wants was uh, one of the highlights for me was Lady Mormont. 
yeah. the the 12-year-old oh, girl yeah. with the on her shoulders the head of a 50-year-old battle-hardened warrior. Um <laughs> I thought she was brilliant. Um I think when I watched it with my wife she thought the kind of the comedy of it kind of under undervalued it or underplayed the kind of what she was saying. But I just thought not only was her kind of her speech is amazing but the fact that all these old guys would sit up and listen to her they shut up and listen yeah absolutely i think i think yeah. uh your wife's right at first glance because they both even sansa and john laugh a little when they first go into throwing room. but actually i think you suddenly realize she's not fucking kidding <laughs> yeah she's not joking around and she's yeah. she's actually quite serious and i think actually the next time you see her you have the respect that the rest of the guys have yeah. As well. I thought that there was a wonderful moment where um, she rides out, despite the fact she's twelve, to meet with Ramsay Ramsay Bolton, the you know the biggest, most evil man in the North. And there's a moment where, like, it's a one moment in the episode where they look at each other, and you, there's a look on on Ramsay's face of like, oh, like just the, just the briefest of moments that he's like, oh. I don't yeah. know what to make of you. Yeah, I, I really like that because Ramsey's one of those characters who always, you know, seems so in control. And there's just a moment where he's like, oh, who are you? And I don't know. How I, I don't quite know how to play this one. Like, I, I loved it. Lady Mormont was a highlight. Can we also also agree that, hands down, Ramsey is the most evil character that has ever been in Game of Thrones? I, for me, it's, it's I, think, I think Joffrey was like, he's like a petulant dog chasing after a car. Ramsey knows what he's doing and Ramsey actively creates plans to be cruel whereas Joffrey just was a cruel person he enjoyed it but I don't he was never smart enough to make a plan which would result in cruelty he would just no but he killed people Still... yeah no he killed people, people but, but he would he wouldn't kind of for example the when Ramsey killed Rickon the way in which he did that was, was done for maximum cruelty. It wasn't if that was Joffrey, Joffrey would have just killed him. Whereas Ramsay used him as a as a way to draw out the anger in John and did exactly what Sansa predicted he would do. Ramsay is definitely the most evil person we've seen on screen, because I imagine the Night King probably out evils Ramsay you know, know. ten times before breakfast. Like I it's I I'm, I really I loved Ramsay's death, um, not but not not just because it was cathartic to see him you know killed ripped apart by his own dogs, but because there was that awful moment where he says to Sansa he's like you can't kill me a little part of me will live on with you which a lot of people took to me and oh she's pregnant, but I, I but obviously means he this is the type of thing he'd do he'd feed his enemies to his dogs. And was planning to do to John Sansa all the way back, even even as late as you know, like season five when she married him. You can't imagine her doing that, but Ramsay has made Sansa like him. She's made him cruel. In such like it's, it's such a horrible thing. He's chipped away at her soul, like in a way Cersei and Joffrey never did. And I think that just cements him as the most evil person in because he begets more yeah. cruelty no, and more right. evil. She, there's that moment where she almost turns to leave and then she doesn't. She watches. Yeah, exactly. Do we ha- do we have now now Ramsay's gone? Do we have someone who kind of everyone can collectively get behind and just detest? 
Cersei, I think now. Cersei or Littlefinger, it's got to be, surely. I think Littlefinger will become more and more. But I think gradually, actually, the way it's moving is the only per- the only people to detest will be the White Walkers in the end. Hmm. They'll be the biggest threat, finally, everyone. But I think for now, as you say, it's probably Cersei and Littlefinger. I, I don't think Littlefinger's going to just go out with a whimper. I think there's going to be a bigger a bigger thing. I, I, I love the way that um, this is just... just it, I understand what you're saying, like about it won't be with a whimper, but with the way the high sparrow went out, I kind of exp- I think that was it was really shocking and brilliant, but at the same time I wouldn't have expected that. Like I don't know quite what I did expect. I expected more machination and stuff. So I think with Game of Thrones at times it's hard to tell how a character will go out. If that makes yeah. sense. I think the yeah even the actors don't really know until like the day before. And they can only yes. speculate on what's going to happen. I think it's probably because it's just so... It's a bit unpredictable, really. Um, because it's the, it's one of those shows where they, even if it's a beloved character, they'll kill them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I think... Do you know what? I think the person that got the, the rawest deal out of all of this is Rickon. <laughs> he's like... He's basically... He goes feral right at the beginning when he's like three because his mum and his dad have left and his brothers and sisters. And then he grows up in the woods sort of running away for his life with a wild usher who gets killed and then his his dog gets killed and then he just right at the last second is given the last hope of running to his half brother and he gets shot through the chest this is an awful existence (laughs) yeah he's he's not had any he's not had any light points has he no he doesn't he is not followed at all he's one of the few starks that is not followed really at all can we mention that as sad as Rickon's death was, one one's death, the giant, possibly the last giant, was heartbreaking. And Ramsay, just proving again how cruel and stupid he is, could have easily have shot John and decided to he's kill the giant. He's not stupid though, is he? That's the thing. He's, like, he's like high on power and he, he's got him to, to a point where he's painted himself into a corner and he won't admit it. Also, I don't think he thinks John will kill him. No. I think he thinks that oh he he's a good man unlike me, which is it's the classic you know Star Wars thing isn't it with the, where the Sith know that the Jedi will never kill them, <laughs> they always have the power, yeah. but John's a bit different now. I think it's a thing of the fact that he has the he's even though in close quarters, relatively close quarters he has the bow and arrow he sees he thinks that he still has the upper hand, and he doesn't he mm. just he doesn't take into account the kind of the anger and the kind of the the will of Jon Snow he doesn't he doesn't comprehend that and so Jon just picks up that shield and just charges at him and it doesn't matter how many kind of arrows he fires he's not going to stop he's he's not going to hide he's not going to yeah. run away he's coming for you and so he just has to keep throwing arrows and re- he realizes right at the last uh oh I'm I'm screwed here I think you're totally right actually he actually he takes out a giant first in order to take the large what he thinks is the largest threat but that's his downfall he doesn't realize how there were wonderful moments in that battle scene uh which apparently is one of the largest or biggest scale battle scenes on tv to date it's one of the spectacular yeah they've taken it took them 25 days for eight minutes um which is astounding and there are moments where you 
I think, I, you know, I was, I, I'm not sure how much the gods really play a role in this world, but there were moments where something was intervening. Well, were, there was, there was a know. moment where John was running through kind of the battle because as, as he just, as he reaches the line and suddenly kind of all the horses join him so he doesn't get hit there. And you, Ramsey's firing the arrows into, into the crowd. And I did think, nothing's hitting John. Is there something here? And then he starts to battle with people. And I did think, is there some kind of magical kind of protection on him? Because these arrows are falling down on his, on all around him, and every single one is missing him. I think you. I I genuinely think they yeah. deliberately made it so that you know the bits where there's a horse charging at him from behind full speed and it gets mad. You know, happens to get knocked out yeah. of the way. Just every single time he still doesn't die, even when he's about to be suffocated. I do feel they deliberately made this kind of look. There's some sort of thing at play here he is i have this kind of quiet calm about me that i thought he's going to be okay for some reason i knew he'd be all right well i thought they can't kill him again <laughs> they can't that was do that, my, that was just my thought they can't do it again they've, they've already played that hand melisandre hints at it before the battle doesn't she she says the lord of light i think you know maybe he's not the god but definitely has power says he clearly has a plan mm. for you you know and it it, it it was it did seem to me there was a a supernatural element going on during that. I battle. definitely think there was. There were just there were just times where he should have been hit and yeah. didn't yeah. didn't get hit. But it was absolutely fantastic. Like, I mean, a really great. And it was a battle that actually made sense. And I, yeah. it's a yeah. weird thing to say, but the the whole yeah. um, the strategy the, of the, Ramsay, the strategy that. You know, in quite a lot of battles, quite often there's so much flamboyance that when the the opposition has the chance to win, they don't take it because mm. it's all about looking the best and blah blah blah. But actually, Ramsey was like, "No, circle yeah. them with shields, poke, you know, move yeah, forward." Yeah, there's a strategy. It's, it's, it's a it's... genuine strategy that was used by actual, you know, what we've had in our human history, and mm. it's it's to make sure there's no honor. They are going to die. That's you know, we want yeah. to win. That sort of thing. It's and not I, about uh, just a group of guys on the field fighting each other it's we have a plan and what he does in terms of with Rickon is he knows that John knows the plan and so he needs to force him to just walk straight into it walk into the trap that he's set he won't do it willingly so he has to force him yeah do we think that Sansa deliberately sort of doesn't tell him because if John hadn't gone into the trap then Ramsay wouldn't have believed that because Ramsay has to stay out of Winterfell, doesn't he? he? If he'd retreated back, I don't know why she doesn't tell him that. Well, he doesn't, isn't it? So because she knows John's going to react like that, and John has to, Ramsay has to believe that he's going to win, because otherwise he he wouldn't let his his guys be um, vulnerable from behind. I th- my my, I know like I've seen this online and people speculating about did Sansa deliberately do it to bait Ramsay like was that the trap for him uh and I think there's there may be something in it it's just she apologized the next episode to him for not telling him and I also think as well like the, they they mentioned that they don't have the equipment for a siege on Winterfell um even after the battle is lost like we don't they don't they can't outweigh the winter and then one one punches down the door which I was like so they did have the equipment, just not Ramsey being Ramsey didn't think yeah. think it through. Um, I, I I just think honestly it was a, it was a, 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 a it was so the, they could have a Riders of Rohan moment. I don't think there was any 
story-driven purpose. I wish there was. I think, Pac-Man, that's um, okay. If, I, if that's if that's it, then brilliant. That's fine. If if that is the reason, I'm, yeah. I'm quite. It's quite probable they had a bit of not exactly a falling out beforehand, uh, Sansa and John, but they did have a bit of a disagreement, and she sort of left feeling that she wasn't being, you know, brought to the table. Hmm. So I can see why she'd just go and do it. But um, yeah, if that if that's the mm. pure reason, then fine because it was freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the spectacle this season was beyond incredible. Like I, they've just every, almost every episode had something where you just watched and like, wow, that was that was it. Yeah, they have to um, raise the bar yeah. each time, don't they? That's why they make the pacing like <laughs> it is because otherwise everyone would be everyone would be, oh another amazing battle scene. Oh, I've seen it before. <laughs> Well, my my highlight, as I've already said, was uh, was Aya's arrival and uh, dispatch of Walder Frey. Um, how about you guys? What what's the standout bit? What's your what was your highlight of the series? For me, it was um, oh my word, Daenerys walking through the flames in um, the the uh, Citadel of the Carls, like. It was just it was it was the it, it was a payoff I'd been waiting for for a very long time with her storyline, and then it drug its then it managed to drag its feet till you know episode nine and uh, nine and ten. But I, I, it was the payoff I'd been waiting for, and I really enjoyed that moment. Um, either that or hold the door. I think are the things that are going to stick with me. Mm, hold the door. For me, it was definitely the hold the door episode. Holy shit, that was one of the best best tv i've seen in a very long time i I need to see it again actually properly and really i don't think i could watch it again i I was at work and i was blubbering like a child um (laughs) on my lunch break i was just like (laughs) i had to go into the toilets and and blow my nose a lot and cry a bit more and i felt (laughs) i felt really drained afterwards i felt genuinely i couldn't really get over it for a while yeah (laughs) and tv it takes a lot to affect me like that um it was just as a piece of editing and uh, and filmmaking and uh, just storytelling just just absolutely incredible. the, story. the way yeah. that story played out and way the those revelations were revealed it was it was fantastic yeah it was incredible i've not i've not seen i'm i'm sure it has been in in other shows but not quite to this extent the amount of you know articles written about one episode in a tv show has that ever really been like that before you know well, if you just like hold the door like genuinely the other day I, I was leaving work and someone went oh hold the door and we both looked at each other and went oh, too soon and he went, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was staying in with me daniel frost tom percival and alex briscombe if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe to us on itunes mixcloud acar spreaker stitcher or whatever you prefer to get your podcasts And if you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really grateful. It's a great way for other people to find out more and more about our podcast. You can also visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information about the podcast. And finally, come find us on Twitter on at stayinginpod. Thanks for listening.